Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do this morning, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 again. If you could turn there with me. I'm going to begin in verse 10. Let's hear God's word together. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned, Paul says, to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or, or hungry whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Christ who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Verse 15. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving Except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. It's a poignant reading for us today, seeing as how we are a church in this time and place reading Paul's correspondence with a church in this time and place that Paul had affection for, great affection for. And I believe that Paul would love us, does love us as well as we imagine what God has in store for our church. We were sitting in our Monday meetings, so as, as you know, if you, if you do, if you're new, you may not know this, but we are a regional campus of Brentwood Baptist Church, and so I get to meet, all of our staff gets to meet on a team with their corresponding folks from the other campuses often. I meet every Monday afternoons with all of the other campus pastors, and we get together and we imagine how we could preach this text. Now, we all preach it differently, very differently, because we have different contexts that we're in. Uh, the text and the sermon each week is an ongoing conversation between me and between you, Church at Harpeth Heights, or between whoever fills the pulpit for me. And I love that about this. This is not something that can be pulled aside as a podcast, even though we do that every week. Um, it's, it's not even something that's designed to be first and foremost over the internet, which now we do every week as well. We accelerated that process thanks to the pandemic, and it's a wonderful thing to have. But our desire is that we would gather together in the same space 
rubbing shoulders with one another, hearing from God. That's not uh, a thing I take lightly. I don't take it lightly. Uh, it's kind of overwhelming. To, something can't be kind of overwhelming. It's overwhelming to think that God would, would use us, me, in such a way. But it helps to think of it as an ongoing conversation each and every week. And that is what is going on here. So on Mondays, we get together and imagine what that conversation looks like for each of our campuses. And we bring our best ideas about the text. And it's helpful each and every week. And this particular week, Mike Glenn kind of looked at the whole room after we had talked for, for a while together. And he broke down what was going on here as he saw it. And it was a great opportunity to steal what he said, which I often do. So I'm going to share it with you because I agree it's what's going on here in these 11 verses that we just shared together. Paul is saying to his friends, I am going to be okay. And Paul is saying to his friends, you are too. I'm going to be okay. And you are too. Now, we talked last week in looking at primarily one through nine, the the initial nine verses in this chapter, but specifically four through nine, we we talked about how how we are going to be okay. So Paul is reiterating what he had built in the text we looked at last week, or at least what's behind what he had built, the how we're going to be okay, specifically by rejoicing together each and every week. I hope you were here. I hope you remember what... We talked about the rejoicing the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Paul says it's important for us to rejoice together. That's the rubbing of the shoulders. That's the worship. That is the coming together each and every week to be joyful about what we share in Christ. And then to pray instead of worry, the text continues and reminds us. And then dwelling and thinking on things above, things that are beautiful, excellent, praiseworthy, true. And to, to dwell on those things precisely so that, what we're reminded in verse 9, we can be people who go out and live gospel lives. This is the how we're going to be okay. Today, I believe, in what we just read together, Paul helps us understand the why. The why he's going to be okay and the why we are going to be okay. Okay. It was a while back that I went into the office. I came, um, excuse me, I didn't. I stayed home. It was probably a Wednesday. Leslie Ann went into her work early because Wednesday is usually her early day. And uh, she teaches in the nursing school at Vanderbilt. And so they were there early. And I had arranged my schedule to take all the, the children to school. I take the boys most every day, but... This morning, particular morning, I was going to take Hattie to school as well, which is an entirely different thing than getting the boys to school. I learned. I'm learning. And this particular morning, uh, I did not gauge well enough the side of the bed that Hattie had gotten up on. Um, I, you know, whatever had happened the night before, uh, and this is, you know, we, didn't, we had not set out her clothes the night before, which is entirely helpful for the next morning to be able to do that. And so we just were behind the eight ball there right away in the morning and, and she was grumpy and things were, were rushed and she has to get in the car with me to take the the boys to school. And she didn't like that. And then we have to get back home and get her ready because her school starts a little bit later. Anyway, you can imagine the scene, right? Well, I, 
thought I had remembered Leslie Ann saying, don't let her wear that tutu to school. And so, y'all, everything I picked out this particular morning, she didn't want to wear it. And I probably wasn't picking out the best things, but I know what matches mostly. And I, I went for too many things that match, you know, because because her M.O. at this point was going to be to wear whatever I didn't suggest. So I went too far down the road of suggestions until we were only left with tights or leggings. I still don't know if there's any difference in what these were, but tights or leggings that were a particular color and then a shirt that was not the correct season shirt that in no way matched the particular leggings and then her right hand holding that tutu (laughs) and her saying, I'm wearing this. And me realizing this is a battle I'm not going to pick. So I took her to school in that tutu. And I rem- I'm telling you this story because it's fun to tell you the story. And what went through my mind that morning was a, a, a church child care worker when I was young. And I just remember this. And, and, and it was a bit of a dry season for her. And she would receive kids, toddlers, in, 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 in some ways that we didn't need her to receive them. Case in point, come on in here, Penny. Let me brush your hair since your mom didn't this morning. (laughs) So that was the moment where we have to set that sweet volunteer aside and say, hey, let's take a few weeks off because that's not helpful to say that. But I very well could have gotten that, you know, hey, she probably shouldn't have worn that tutu. But I didn't get that. It was gracious and and kind at, at Hattie's school that morning. I used this silly illustration to make the point because it's one of the things that jumped out to me this week in this text. Paul is not uh, stricken with any um, uh, beating around the bush here or uh, passive aggression when you look at verse 10. And it's a little more obvious in the way the NRSV um, translates it, but... The NRSV says, at last, you have revived your concern for me. I mean, Paul is saying to his friends here, hey, thanks. You remembered me. Your concern for me had died and gone away. But now it's back. No backhanded compliments from Paul. No passive aggression. And I think it's important for us to see that this morning. And then, because Paul is, is really self-aware and an amazing writer in so many ways, he, he realizes, I think, we can see in our text, kind of what he's done here. And he realizes his tone may have been a little bit abrupt. So in the second half of verse 10, he, he kind of rescues it a bit. And he says, you were, in fact, concerned about me, but you lacked the opportunity to show it. Now, I must confess to you today that I'm not sure that Paul would give me the second part of verse 10 or maybe give us. Here, I think, is our problem today, the problem that I see coming from this text. We're not 
generous enough. Now, doesn't that sound like something that a preacher leading a church is likely to say? Sure it does. But it's important to say. And I'm saying it to myself as well. It's important to say because it's true. And it's true of me too. Paul lets his friends off the hook here. He's letting them know they didn't have the opportunity to show it. Now, we don't know exactly what Paul's thinking there. We don't. He doesn't tell us exactly what the circumstances were. He, he is in prison. He has been in prison. Perhaps he is in an entirely remote location or he just can't get things to him in prison. And so perhaps that would explain why they didn't have the opportunity to show their concern or to send him any support. Perhaps the Philippians are going through a tough stretch as a congregation and they're actually without the resources to help him very much or at all. And perhaps Paul knows this and, and he is giving a nod to those circumstances that they are in a time of want, perhaps. Paul doesn't specify. But as it is, our text tells us they were not able to help. Their potential to be generous was thwarted somehow. Okay? Church, ours is not. Ours is not. We have the opportunity to give of ourselves. Susan mentioned it beautifully in the offertory time. The T's, our time, our talent, our treasures, and our testimonies. I love the addition of testimonies to those T's because I love alliteration. I'm a Baptist preacher. Now, I know there are seasons when we have less. I can, I can imagine you can identify with Paul here in this text as he goes on to explain his understanding of his circumstances and how he has navigated them, whatever they may have been, whatever the time may have been. I know that we can all likely identify with what that looks like. There are definitely times when we have less. We are, silly example would be we are watching in our household, our, our boys who are 13, 10, and 8 now, they just eat entirely too much. Just all of a sudden. And I, and I hear this only intensifies. So in that respect, we are quite literally in a season with, with less, less in our pantry, less in the gas tank due to multiple trips to, to Costco for bulk items that they will just eat faster than they, they should. Jokes aside, there are certainly times and, and folks who spend more time with less than you and I do. There is no shame in needing help. There shouldn't be shame in needing help with turkeys around Thanksgiving, especially with what grocery costs are, are becoming and, and are. And it was a joy, as Susan mentioned, to find every nook and cranny in this building to keep turkeys in. Christy had to tape a freezer shut to keep all of the turkeys frozen. We heard, we heard these stories on Thursday that we hear each time we invite guests to our food pantry. Stories of what it looks like to have less more often. And it surely is gripping. And then there are times with more. When God has blessed us, when we have a little more. 
Now, don't miss what Paul is, is trying to communicate here as he winds this letter down, as he ends his communication with the people that he loves and, and is so grateful for. He's making the point that regardless of the circumstances or, or whatever the circumstances are, he's okay. He is content either way. He's telling his friends he's okay. His testimony here is that he has known both. I officiated a beautiful wedding yesterday, not because of my officiating, because the setting and the time of year and weddings are beautiful. And right there in the, the vows, we should really take those, look at those more closely. Everything's so pretty and we're about to eat cake. So we just cruise right past those, but they're, they're, they're real. And they apply to the difficult journey that marriage can and, and will be. But we say it right there in plenty and in want. It's part of what we promise one another when we, when we wed. Plenty and in want. And in whatever conditions Paul finds himself, he, he is able to discover God's will within those circumstances. That is his testimony here. Now, what that doesn't mean it doesn't at all mean that Paul is advocating for an indifference toward money, which renders one, renders us ambitionless. Money is not evil. The, the love of money is evil. But Paul is not indifferent to money, not at all. Paul is removed from anxiety. That's what he's describing here. He's describing the working out of what we looked at last week, what he, what he wrote about in verses 4 through 9. He, he's not anxious about the material things of life. Paul is about the main things. And because Paul is about the main things, Paul is generous. Paul is content with his circumstances. Now, perhaps he doesn't have a lot of opportunity in prison to be generous. He's certainly generous with his relationship with Christ as he spends his time writing to his friends and encouraging them, even from his captured state. He's, he's generous in that way. And here he's explaining the root of his generosity, the root of his contentment, the root of his understanding that he is okay. He's content with his circumstances. In the text, Paul indicates that he has found the secret. The secret to being okay. The secret to being okay in whatever the circumstances may be. This is what, uh, this is what leads me to, to imagine and to communicate to you that, that Paul understands what the main things are. And church, if we can help each other understand the main thing as we go along, to invite Paul's perspective into our daily life, helping one another along to be able to communicate a similar testimony to what Paul is communicating here, that we're able to understand that we are going to be okay. And then to tell each other Y'all are going to be okay, too. Verse 19. 
Paul says, my God will supply all your needs. Will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Hear hear the way that the late pastor Eugene Peterson translates part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about money and things and anxiety in chapter 6 in Matthew. Just hear these. It's not going to be on the screen. Hear, Hear these words from the message. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers most of which are never even seen. Don't you think God will attend to you as well? Take pride in you, do God's best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with with getting things so you can respond to all that God is giving. People who don't know God and and the way God works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how God works. Steep your life, church, in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday concerns, your everyday human concerns will be met. Verse 34, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. That's good counsel. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or or may not happen tomorrow. God will help us deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I think Paul... I don't know that Paul had ever read that. Our best scholarship, I think, has the the Gospels being written down later than even Paul's letters were written. So I don't know that Paul would have read that. But Paul knew that. He knew what Jesus had hoped for us and communicated in Matthew chapter 6. He knew that he, Paul, was going to be okay. And he knew that we are too. You know, it occurs to me that, that maybe Paul's brutally honest comments in, in, in verse 10 is just a product of the fact that he, he did know how things are. He did have this unique, odd, but healthy relationship with money that, that he just said, hey, you finally remembered me. And, and, and in saying that, it really wasn't about the money as much as it was he just wanted to hear from his friends. He was glad that they called him. They didn't call him. Epaphroditus had to bring it and it took forever, but he wanted to hear from them. Have you, have you felt like this? Can you imagine not hearing from people or seeing, oh yeah, we went through that for 10 months, didn't we? I think Paul is sitting in prison, missing his friends. I can relate. Maybe it doesn't have anything. Maybe he's beyond the money. He's trying to get us to believe he is with what he's saying. And I believe him. Maybe it's really about the relationship that Paul has with those that he loved. 
And it's that that helps me imagine how Paul, not just how he knew what the main thing is, but what the main thing is, the secret that he mentions in the text. And I think we can know the secret too. I think I know what it is. I could be wrong, but I think I know what it is. And I think when we follow and are being formed by Jesus, we have the chance to have Paul's perspective. We have the chance for our testimony to mirror his amazing testimony here in this text. We have a chance to understand the secret and not just understand it in a way that we can regurgitate it when somebody asks, but that somebody might could see it in the way that we live because we live out the secret. The main thing. You want to know what it is? It's gratitude. It's gratitude. It's why Paul is so confident that he is going to be okay and just as confident that we are too. Paul knows Jesus. And Paul knows what Jesus has done. And because of this, Paul's life is about gratitude. It's this living in the reality that that Jesus has taken care of everything. And it's the result of that. That's what this testimony is. It's why Paul knows he's going to be okay and we are too. Paul is grateful because Paul knows the truth about Jesus. It's the thing I've tried to keep at the forefront of my ministry with you for over two and a half years now. It is what I tried clumsily to communicate when I first got to speak with you and and, and preach here, it's, it's that story that Fred Craddock tells about the time when he helped lead a church in their pastor search committee. And he said, even before he finds out how good the candidate can preach, and Fred Craddock's whole ministry was about good preaching. So, you, so it was obvious how important that was. But before it was even comprehended how well the candidate can preach, Craddock wanted it to be known whether or not that person was grateful. Because he knew what Paul knows. It's about gratitude. That is the secret to being okay in any of our circumstances. So as we turn our attention this morning to the table, to the bread, and to the cup, and we are reminded, we remember together what it represents, I ask you this morning to consider your own gratitude. To consider whether or not you can... um, Proclaim this testimony that Paul is proclaiming here in verses 10, well, really in the whole fourth chapter. 
It is because of what Christ has done that we can too be content in whatever our circumstances are.